You know, I find it more and more interesting, the concepts that develop out of our, quote, Christian holidays. Amen? Well, I'm, I'm not going to go there this morning. I'm a, I, but what I'm saying will play into what I'm saying. Um, we started a, a two-week series, and I'll be finishing that up today. I'm I'm starting a little bit early because I want to give it enough time. I want to be able to touch base on the bullet points of last week in order to merge into or merge into the subject that we're talking about, which is nonetheless the commission of, of, of Paul. And, and it's found here as he's sharing before, the mag- before King Agrippa and these guys and Herod uh, his story And it's a story that we've heard repeated over and over again when he talks about the road of Damascus and the great light and the the voice that he hears kicking against the goads and all that stuff. But he adds something here that changes. He doesn't add this anywhere else. So as we're looking at this, uh, allow me to just begin by reading in this series that, that, that portion of Scripture in Acts 26. It says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. I, deliver, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles to whom I now send you. I now, there's, this, is the, this is a mandate. I now send you to open their eyes. It is a commission. It is an evangelism call. And the problem with that is the church today has no concept of how to do that. They don't even understand what open eyes actually means or what it's representing. And and just to hit a couple bullet points, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these. I would suggest, however, that if you were not here last week, that in order to put all this together, you would listen to that first part because it will explain more to you about where you live in this world today and what's going on around you and what is producing it and what's happening There needs to be an understanding in God's people that God still is in control, but that this world lives because of the condition that this world is in and doesn't even see it as the condition that they are in. You didn't write that one down because I'm out of confusion myself there. But let me say this, that expression, okay, open Eyes, open eyes. That expression, that that is about a person who can see. Now, if their eyes are shut, what that saying is expressing means that they're blind. Okay? We establish that. In other words, open their eyes because of blindness. They're, they're, They're blind. So, in other words, going quickly through here, if your eyes are shut and you're blind, you are in a profound darkness. Now, I know a lot of uh, um, mentally alert, oh, 
mental awareness believers who would say that uh, they're, not, they're not blind, that they see. Well, I, I hope the Holy Spirit deals with all of our hearts in this place this morning. Because bottom line is, a blindness that has no concept of reality beyond the darkness in which they find themselves. Blindness, my friend, has no concept of reality. I don't care how real you think things are. Blindness has no reality, has no concept of reality beyond the darkness which they find themselves. So when you're talking about blindness, and we're dealing with Scripture here, uh, you know, we're talking about people who are lost. Say that word with me, lost. So lost, what they've lost is the seeing of who God really is. And what we have is concepts of who we think God is. So we operate according to those. We live according to our concepts. We don't have a clue what it means to be led by the Spirit. And in that darkness, a twisted, distorted image of God that's birthed in the imagination of darkness. So for them and for anyone else with their eyes shut in that darkness, in that blindness, their concept of God has come more out of the imagination. And that, that imagination can be backed by doctrine or theology or so many different things. But nonetheless, it is a darkness, it is a blindness. And not only to God, but that blindness darkens us to our own identity, who we really are. We don't know ourselves because of that darkness. And not only do we not really see the reality of who God is, and we're blind to our own identity, that darkness causes us to see others through the lens of our own darkness. In other words, when I'm looking at you, I'm thinking about you and, and judging or whatever, my concept, I see you through the lens of my own darkness. Okay, so let, let, let's, let's scripturalize this a little bit, back up God's word here. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who? who are perishing. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The word veiled. The best way for me to explain what that word means is literally skin on my body. What do I mean by that? My skin veils my organs. You cannot see my organs. You see my skin, but you can't see my lungs. You can't see my heart. You can't see um, my liver, kidney, all that. It, it's veiled. That's the whole idea behind the word veiled. So, uh, again, coming, coming back to that, even if our gospel is veiled, skin on my body, then it goes on to say, it is veiled to those who are what? That word perishing throughout Scripture is translated lost. Lost. You can find it in Luke 15, whether it be the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. It doesn't matter. It is, it is dealing with 
there is a veilness to those who are lost. There is, a, there is a part that they cannot see, they cannot understand, they cannot know because they are veiled, they are blind. They're in darkness and they're lost. Look at 2 Corinthians, it says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, this, this world, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, I like that part, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So the veil, the skin, to those who are lost, whose minds, the God of this age, the God of this world, now that's not a demon. Okay, that's not Satan or the devil. The God of this world is the culture, the way this world understands and thinks. Take a look at this world. Take a look at the conditions that it has brought about, how things have, I mean, I, most of you aren't probably old enough to remember a name called Madeline Murray. Yeah, see, those of you who just said yes are old. I know that. But this lady came across when we were in our schools, when I was in a, a junior high level. Well, that's called middle school today. But, but during that time, we, we, we read scripture. We prayed. We did the Pledge of Allegiance. We did all that. I mean, there was a, a, a morality that existed as far as that was concerned. She steps in, and she comes to court with things, and things get literally taken out of school. No more Bible. No more prayer. And you will see the, the decline of, of the world morality continue to decrease and decrease and decrease. And, and what we see is, you know what? I'm tired of watching something that's supposed to be halfway decent and either having to flip it off or, or, or fast forward. To get, it's ridiculous what they've got on screen. Look, look, look at what's being forced down our throats. I'm getting politically on my soapbox. No, I'm trying to teach you that this world, the God of this world, is the culture of this world. Take a look at what the Senate did this last week. The marriage law that's been changed for same-sex marriages. And they say there's provisions in there for the church. Right. Here's all, you know. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, and I'm not trying to get, what I'm trying to say is, friend, this world is a mess. It's the culture of the world. This world is blind. This world is lost. This world is perishing. This world is veiled. They can't see. So if you think I'm upset at this, I'm not. I expect it. Don't you? I mean, the reality is, if you can't see, and what you're doing is, making up the image of God in your blindness, so to speak, if I can put it that way, right? Uh, okay, okay. Uh, the God of this world has blinded the minds. So understand, veil equals blinded minds. Veil equals blinded minds. 
All right, let me, let me jump to, to the same chapter in 2 Corinthians, verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's, that's who a believer is. It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown where? And to do what? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now let me say this. Again, this is all recap from last week. There's much more to what I'm saying, but you'd have to tune in and listen to it. It doesn't matter what form sin takes. The problem here is blindness. They can't see. And it drives me crazy because what they think they can see, they think is light, when truthfully it is darkness. And if light starts to come in, they begin to what? Fight it. Mm, because man loves what? Darkness rather than... Mm. Yeah, you were wondering why you got... Two full pages of notes, huh? First Timothy, though I formally blasphemed and persecuted and was shamefully and outrageously and aggressively insulting to him, nevertheless, I obtained mercy because I acted out of ignorance in unbelief. I mean, oh, there's hope. Ignorance is one thing. Thumb your nose up at the grace of God. Bite another. I'm just going to go on. Look at Romans. It says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Boy, this, this is clear, by the way. There's a blindness. Okay, Ephesians. Let me just go on. This I say, therefore, and testify unto the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the what? Futility of their, and I explained to you what futility was last week. Remember, it's just continuing to go around and around and around and around in circles. Hey, this looks familiar. Hey, no, we've never been here. And you just, you know, it's called insanity. I mean, you grumpy thing, you, it's called insanity. But look, look, it's called in the futility of their mind. And their mind is veiled. It's a... Mm, having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Hello, somebody. I mean, does this, does this click? Do we wonder why we see behavior the way we behave and... What we're seeing out there and wondering why there's so much demoralization, uh, no respect for life, murder, gunshots, all these different things. I mean, the play, I, it's, the, it's nuts out there. But do we wonder why? I mean, I knew, oh, you agree with me, but do we know why it's nuts out there? In fact, let's take another step. It's nuts in the church. I didn't think I'd get as many amens on that one. But we've got behavior. Look. When you're walking in darkness and you're creating things out of your darkened imagination, in order for what ends up happening 
is, is that you think on those things, right? That's your belief. So you think that way, and you make choices that way, and you behave this way, all in accordance to your anchor of faith back here. And if you're walking in futility, in darkness, in blindness, and all you've got is what comes out of the imagination, in the imagination based on that darkness, okay. Well, let me explain it to you. Because what I'm talking about here in Ephesians, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, that all leads to the hardness of their hearts, which leads to becoming callous. We can blame a lot of things, a lot of people, but the truth is, it's right there in Ephesians for us because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. In fact, go on, Ephesians 4.19, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. You know what that is? That's behavior. We have so justified what would have horrified the believer years ago. We justify, we compromise what God says. We totally go against the principles of who he is out of darkness. I'm sorry, but the true church would not, will not compromise. The truth is, the believer who is, who is, who is, I'll get to this later, but the believer that is not trying to do things on their own will not compromise. The believer who's trying to live a Christian life in his own power and strength will compromise because they get tired of trying and, and they succumb. They get tired. And pretty soon, because it doesn't work, they say, what's the use? So we slowly slip back. There's no wisdom in that. I mean, we, we, we cross a line then, and we say, well, nothing's really happening. Everything's the same, so why not? Boy, there's, mm -mm, boy, there's some veils going down. Okay, let, let me say this. The blindness does not change reality. What it does is it disconnects you from reality. Oh, yes, it does. I'm talking about a total disconnect. Have you ever gone to fix something, changed the batteries in it, done everything you possibly can, and it still won't work? You plug it in, it's not happening and everything else. So you, you take it apart, and what you find is one wire has fallen off. It's in disconnect. When we're in disconnection, Nothing works. Understand, and again, I'm, I'm going through this rather quickly and, and, and not quick enough, evidently. But that darkness is so intense to the point that we think that darkness is the light. And many think the light is the darkness. Thereby, 
if you don't accept same-sex marriages, alternative lifestyles, a certain, if you don't accept adultery, if you don't accept fornication, if you don't accept living together outside of marriage, if you don't accept all these things, what in the hell is wrong? They're the one in darkness. I mean, I mean, after all, they're good people. Yeah, I know they're good people. They're God's creatures for Pete's sake. But they're blind. And the Bible specifically shows us that's unrighteousness. Hey, can we come back to the commission? Open your eyes. Well, how do you do that? Well, I've got this baseball bat that I use, but no, 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 no. Oh, wow, that shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Just crushed it right there. Anybody that had respect for me has now lost it. But I'll say this again. The darkness that is so intense to the point that we think that darkness is light. And, and so you're the goof. You're the idiot. You're the insensitive one when you stand upon the principles that are God's. And, and not just standing on the principles. Let's take it to where it's really at. In our hearts. We know that's not God. We have a discernment within our own spirit. That's not God. I'm saying, friend, I, what we compromise as believers tells us our condition. Because we've already worshipped the God of the world. Sorry, I'm, I'm just. The darkness is the great lie that you are the center of the universe. And then we look at all of life through that lie. Oh, let's come down to basic principles 101. I know there's a lot of people who would rather not hear this message. I know that there's a lot of people that would rather... Here's something joyous and something that is encouraging and lifting up. I'm giving you that, but at the same time, I'm not the one that's, you know, you might think I'm beating you over the head with a, with a proverbial bat, but I'm not. I mean, I'm glad you wore your crash helmets to church today. That's good. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit has a way of convicting us, does he not? And those words, well, let me just go on here because otherwise I'm going to spend forever. But I'll say it again, the great lie, the great lie, the great lie is that we are the center of the universe and then we look at all of life through that lie. So it's all about me, how you affect me, what I've got. I'll tell you what, the great entitlement era. It's all about me, what's in it for me. And you remember where this all comes from? Genesis 3, when the serpent is speaking with Eve. And Eve is going, well, you know, we're not supposed to. Well, look at what he says. He says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like, God, knowing good. And you, you, me, myself, and I, I'll be like, God. Sometimes I've learned to pause before I say what comes to my head. So I'll just say, 
what I'm saying. You know, that's what it's I'm, I'm God. It's all about me, friend. It's, it's about how my wife treats me. It's about how she respects me, how she touches me, how she does all these things that makes me the center. It's all about me, teenager. I don't need to say anything else now, do I? It, I don't care who it is. But it's the futility of our minds that which equals veil, the blindness. So the question stands, what can open my eyes? what happens when you ask Google instead of me. <laughs> what can open our eyes? Take a look at John 15. It says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me. Hang on to that one. We'll probably come back to it here in a second. But open their eyes. Open their eyes. From Acts 26, he says, open their eyes, which means there is hope in a hopeless world. Can somebody say amen? This is not a lost world. It's not a hopeless world. This is a world where it still can know hope. My blindness can be healed and the darkness can give way to light, and I can see true reality. I can have my eyes open. So in announcing the gospel, that's where eyes begin to open. In announcing the gospel, that's where eyes begin to open. Now, how do you promote, or I should not promote, how do you pronounce the gospel? How, how do you announce it? How do you pronounce it? I'm going to share with you something this morning, okay? This is where I'm getting started. But I want you to make me a promise this morning. Promise me you won't take one word out of this. You know how you just extract the word, oh, he, he, just, he said this. No, don't do that. Listen to the whole thing. Okay? That's what I'm asking. Can, you know, pinky swear kind of thing? You know, I'm just asking you, please, because this to me is of huge importance. What I'm bringing to you, I've not brought to you before. Why? You're going to find that over the next number of months, I'm going to bring a lot of meat instead of milk. I am going to teach you in levels you have not been taught before. And I believe that you not only need to be ready for that, but if you're a baby, you'll reject that. You won't be able to eat that. So I'm challenging you today that I'm going to impact you with things that I say because you've always thought in a general standard way 
and it's not necessarily wrong, but I can guarantee you it's not right, and I'll show you some things in this today. Now, I, you say, what do you mean it's not right? You mean what I believe is that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the way you look at it. Does that make sense? So announcing the gospel does not begin with the incarnation. It doesn't begin with the life of Jesus. It doesn't begin with his sufferings. It doesn't begin with his bloodshedding or the cross or his burial. And this is the hard part. Because that by itself will change nobody. Well, you say. I'm saying, do you realize that very few people knew of his birth? Do, do you know that most of the people who hung around him for 30 years thought he was a peasant carpenter? Even in his ministry, he would ask things like, who do people say that I am? And the answer pretty much was, we don't have a clue. Peter caught the revelation of Christ, but the others? Huh. They were just bathing in what he was doing. But they didn't understand a thing. Those who would torture, those who would murder him, they didn't have a clue to what they were doing. They, they didn't. In fact, the scripture says that if they had, had, if they had known, they would never have done it to begin with that they were blind. And, and, and when I come to the book of Acts, it's interesting to me, now think about this, when I come to the book of Acts, the ascension of Christ, the day of Pentecost, the message Peter preached, and all those messages, and all those excursions, and all those things that take place, and all those... In the book of Acts, it's interesting to me, they didn't begin with any of that. That Jesus was born, that Jesus suffered, that Jesus, none of that. You're talking about the gospel that changed everything was the resurrection. The gospel that changed everything. And that's where in the gospels, they began. They didn't go up to people and say, Jesus died for you. I mean, what does that mean? Really, think about this. What did that mean to a person in darkness? Really, Jesus died for you. That's not the gospel. There is no meaning to his death it is the biggest despair. It's the biggest failure. He dies on a cross. It's the resurrection that now changes how I understand that. And the resurrection then investigates his life and says, now I know who he is. Hello? And, and, then, and then, I, then I can hear him. 
He's the incarnate of God. But until the resurrection, none of that means a thing to me. The resurrection. Say it with me. The resurrection. What kind of Christmas message is this? It's not. The gospel? How many know how you tell somebody the gospel? You tell it all backwards. You, you start with the end, and then you go backwards, right? And because it is the end, that's the key to everything, friends. Truthfully, the one part of... Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Pastor is about to get in trouble. That's a good, good add-on. Did you hear her? She said that, and that's not unusual. You see, here's the thing. There are certain things about Christianity that drive me up the wall. And the one part of Christianity that has been twisted and distorted is the resurrection. The whole weekend that is about resurrection, resurrection Sunday, we call it what? Easter. I know you know that that, that that name is actually Easter and that it is that of the pagan goddess in the Old Testament, right? It, and that the name of the demonic goddess, pagan goddess, is called Baal and Ashtoreth. And then... One of the greatest liturgies of Astra, that demon goddess, their, their, their greatest thing to get children was a rabbit. And a rabbit that laid magic eggs. That came directly out of the pagan gods of Europe. It was brought here, over here, into this, this country by German immigrants who brought their European goddesses with them. Resurrection? Here's my heart. We don't have any problem with chocolate eggs, chocolate bunnies. Be real. You just accept it. Otherwise, you just go out and get regular chocolate. No kid growing up in a church anymore, any kid growing up in a church anymore thinks resurrection is Jesus rising from the dead. It's rabbits and Easter eggs. It's a demonic trick. There, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Put it away. Get off the soapbox. But let me say this again, and I've said it to you many times, and I'll say it again and again. There is no gospel except for the resurrection. There isn't. Have you ever noticed? Again, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in there where you live. But I, I want to teach you something this morning. But have you ever noticed how hard people study his sufferings and weep over them and, and, and sentimentalize them. 
I mean, I've done it. Absolutely I've done it. We, we, we get into his sufferings and his sufferings and his sufferings. Jesus suffered, and then he died. And we hardly, hardly celebrate his resurrection. I mean, you, you go to this, see, church putting on an, an, an Easter Sunday resurrection play. And you see what? His suffering, crosses. You go to hear a cantata, and what do you hear about the betrayals, all this stuff? And I understand that. But it's always all about the suffering and death. And then, oh, yeah, at the end, he rises. We know the cantata's over. We know we can go get breakfast now. The play's over. Can I say, listen to a convicted pastor. I'm not trying to hide anything. I've, I've just come under the conviction of things. And I believe there's other things that God is still continuing to convict me of. Simply because I want him in my life. There is only one gospel, only one gospel, and that is he rose from the dead. Now, ha, now I understand his sufferings. If he rose from the dead, it's certainly not what it looks like, right? I mean, in fact, are you ready for this one? I'm ready for it deer and headlights here. In fact, the resurrection changed the nature of sin. <laughs> you ask the average Christian, what is sin? And they'll tell you, breaking the Ten Commandments. That's Old Testament. Old Covenants. Old Law. It's over. Jesus Redefine sin. He said, the Holy Spirit will convince the world of sin. And he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. T -t -t take a look at this in, in chapter, oh, where am I? Where, where, where am I? 16. Yeah, we, we read that just a little bit ago. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of right righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not. And who's me? Jesus. Sin is not breaking the Ten Commandments. Jesus' death dealt with sin. Ah. Unless you understand sin is your condition. And your condition was you were born into death, into the fall of man, separated from God. That's what sin means, separated. You were born separated from God. But Jesus dealt with sin, finished. He said, he said it himself. What did he say? He said, it is almost done. 
He rose from the dead. The resurrection is the receipt of his finished work. He did it. He finished it. Did you realize that? You hold the receipt. Oh, oh I'm going to get going here. I'm saying you can't stand in the suffering of Christ and try and believe. It's when I meet with Jesus who is alive and can actually communicate with me through the Holy Spirit, that's when my eyes are open. Somebody needs to get that. I don't stand in, in, in the cross. and I understand all that. I see it now on this side called the resurrection side. But the truth is we don't look at the resurrection side. We only come from, okay. I'm not going to finish, but I've got to finish. Otherwise, Christmas is going to get here. I can, I can tell you there's no eyes open if all I've got is something that's based on his suffering, something that's based on his death, and what a wonderful person he was. So many remain in their darkness. They're trying to keep or, or, or do their religious understanding. What I'm supposed to do, what I'm not supposed to do, how I should react, how I should behave. The Pharisees did the same thing. Not only that, but to make sure they wouldn't break certain things, they would add to it. They went from 10 laws to over 2,600 laws. By the way, we'll be purchasing that book for you next week. No, just but, 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 but notice what it says here in John chapter 9. It says, and Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see and that those who see may become blind. <laughs> those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. Ooh, that's a good one. I, that would take me an hour just to talk on, you know, pre-commitments. But since you say we see, your sin remains. Ah. Because you say you see, you're still in the dark. It's because you believe that what you are doing causes you to see. But actually causes you to remain in darkness. And the sad thing is to get even deeper in that darkness. I say it again and again and again. It's the resurrection. Okay, test time. Nobody gets to leave unless they pay. No, no, I'm just kidding. What makes New Covenant new? Because I can tell you, there is no mixture of, of old and new here. What and all that the old can do is point to the new. But point with hopelessness because it doesn't know how to get there. 
look, the new is so other than the old. It, it's why when Pharisees and others would listen to Jesus, they didn't understand him. The, the, they looked at his miracles, and they couldn't define it. They looked at the cross and said, finally, that's over. That's the end of him. Only when Jesus rose from the dead, everything changed. Prior to that, nothing had changed. Look, 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 at, look at Acts 26 there, and, and, and I, I put it into the New American Standard updated. It says that the Christ was to suffer and that, notice it's a little bit bigger, that by reason of his what? Resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, Paul's preaching here. That's what's going on. We don't live by the Ten Commandments. We don't live by his sufferings. We don't live even by his death. It says, by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he's the first to proclaim the light. Pastor? Yes? What's the light? Sure, why not? Take a look at it. We need to. Isaiah 49.6 I, I will also make you a light of the nations. Speaking of Messiah, so that my salvation may reach where? <laughs> it's not the sufferings that bring light, but the unspeakable message that one who embraced our darkness, embraced our death, rose from the dead, and in so doing, brought light that overcame, was, was bigger than darkness. T take a look at the, the, the next part of, of Isaiah there. It says, finishing off 6, And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. To what? Open blind eyes to bring out prisoners from the dungeons and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Again, the Father is speaking to Jesus there. I'm sending you to open blind eyes. That's, that's what Jesus came to do. Okay, take a look at 60 there in Isaiah. Arise, shine, huh? for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. <coughs> Anybody get excited about this? Light, 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 light. Open eyes, open eyes, open eyes. And that light was the resurrection. Through the resurrection, we realize now he's God incarnate. Through the resurrection, we understand his sufferings and his death. They have meaning now. <laughs> they have purpose now. They have 
Romans, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Didn't think like that when he was making doors and tables for people. If he did mention it, they'd say, who do you think you are? See him hanging on the cross. You say he's the son of God? Now, I can understand how people would look at him there and laugh. Ha, 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 I can understand how someone in darkness can laugh at him and say, if you're the son of God, come off that cross. Hello? You think you're here in evil. You're here in darkness, blindness. No one could believe. No one could understand darkness, blindness, until the resurrection. When he came out of the tomb, he reversed death. When he came out of the tomb, he reversed death, which is what resurrection means. He didn't resuscitate like with Lazarus who would be resuscitated from death even though it had been four days only to go ahead and die again down the road. Jesus was resurrected which means he reversed death. And 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 <laughs> This is more powerful than creation. Hello? Because creation was calling forth life out of nothing, right? Resurrection is reversing death and calling forth life out of everything that was anti-life. Friend, it's the greatest event that has ever taken place. Resurrection! Wait. This is Resurrection Sunday, you're saying. No, Evangelism Sunday. The best we can do, yeah, is to is let a bunch of rabbits loose. <laughs> Revelations chapter 1. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He says, I am the first and the last. Do you realize that what he's saying there is, is, is that not only he's the beginning of all and in between all as well as the ending of all. Does that make sense? And, 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 and I can say this all at the same moment. <laughs> he said, I am the first and the last and the living one and I was dead. And behold, look at me now. Look at me now. 
I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and now we translate that most of the time hell, correct? But it's actually, let me, let me give you the breakdown. Hey, which is, is, is des, mean, uh, hey, I should say hey, that, that in the Greek is, is the negative of the word. It's, it's, whenever you find out that hey, it's negative. And the last part, which is des, or, or Hades, these, it means eyes. It literally means blindness. Drawing in Jesus, he went inside our darkness and deepest blindness, and he is the light. That's resurrection. He stepped into the pit of sin, our sin, and he forgave us, taking our, or entering into our humanity. Do you understand me when I say it was his passport into death? Only creatures die, right? God doesn't die. So how does God get into our death? How does God get inside to our darkness? He has to become one of us, born of a woman. It's his passport. He's inside and has the keys now to death and Hades. The name of Jesus has been to the pit of darkness and death and every name connected with darkness and death is terrified at the name of Jesus. The greatest event, I'm saying it's the great. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 19. I'm giving it to you from the Amplified because I really like how it brings it out. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the... Ah, hello, somebody. The word we're looking at there, obviously, is power. Unlimited, matchless power. But the Holy Spirit adds this word, surpassing. That word's in yours as well. Surpassing means, like, for example, if you were standing at the, at the back doors there by Rick, and I threw you a ball... Now, that's one thing. But if I took and threw that ball and it went all the way to the other side of Kent, that's surpassing. It goes beyond all mind comprehension. Power. It means infinite ability and then adds surpassing to that. Do you get that? And then he says, I read it already. Well, I just, I'm sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I know I'm, got, I'm, I'm late here. It's, it's, 
Can I have five more minutes? The mighty strength, the working of his mighty strength. We know that word, energesis, energy. And he pulls that all together and says, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He rose. He reversed it. And then was the life of it. How do you know? Because you have a receipt. A receipt. And at the end of that receipt, it says, zero. My sin is gone. I am pronounced not guilty. I am brought into the covenant family of God. I've been placed into God's family, and I, I have the receipt. He rose from the dead, and I know he rose from the dead because within me, he witnesses to me that it is so. The law never did that. But when this happened, eyes opened to see the light. And what's the first thing they see? The finished work of Christ. The gospel. The good news of great joy. The birth of Christ. This is it. He brings light. Because if he rises from the dead, it means he conquered that which began death. In the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely... Jesus would enter into the death of deaths. Why is it there? Why is that there? Because sin separated us from God. And our condition is godless. In darkness, blind, unable to see or understand. And what we do is we create in that darkness, our imagination creates a God in our image. He would enter into that death. He would enter into that darkness, that blindness. And he would bring, he would be the light. So my eyes are open. So I see. I see what I didn't see. I, I, I remember what, what I, I never, I, I know who I, I know who he is. I see what I didn't, mm. and then he says, and then he says this, he says, you go to open their eyes. You go. Say this with me. Me, go. Not talking about a country, me go. It's me, go. He said that. He saved us, opened my eyes, and now he says, go, open their eyes. 
Can I say this to you? Instead of praying over your kids, oh, Lord, save them. Oh, Lord, deliver them. Oh, Lord, pray, Lord, open their eyes. Look at Matthew here. It says, Jesus approached and, breaking the silence, said to them, all authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Go then and make disciples of all nations. Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a missionary, Pastor. God's never called me to be a missionary. God doesn't. God already. He, he's, this isn't about calling. This is about him saying to you, go open their eyes. It's time to be a partner with the Holy Spirit to open their eyes. We are sent into darkness with the authority. We are workers together with Christ. Hello? You are now the light of the world. You dim thing, you. This, this, I can see we're getting all excited now. I've just taken you through a journey, and you're so excited. Oh, no, I don't think so. You, that's called darkness. That's not. <laughs> Here you are. The light of the world. Workers together with Christ. Go open their eyes. I still find it extremely powerful and, and overwhelming that God has limited this world when it comes to knowing who he is to us. No angel's going to tell them. God's not going to show up in front of them and say, boo. He's limited himself to us to open their eyes. So many believers, unfortunately, they'll receive the forgiveness and, and they'll receive Christ. And then they, they try to, to work it, to work it out and try to make it happen, do all the right things. And the only problem with that is they're still in the dark. And I have to continually say, it's not, it's not trying, but becoming. Look at that. I got one more scripture. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let me stop right there. You realize what he's saying. He's saying to believers, there's more. There's more than you think you see. There's more than you think. The fact that you think you see says that you are blind. The fact that you are comfortable with where you're at, not convicted by anything anymore, 
says volumes about the life you live in or don't live in. And he goes on to say, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want you to see as you've never seen before. I want you to see like you've never seen before. You want to know why the baby looks the way the baby looks on something like a postcard or doesn't move you? Because I want you to see what you've never seen. You can't see that outside of the resurrection. You try looking at that out of blindness, out of darkness, and it's just some baby that ended up with a bunch of animals. And some sh I mean, it's just it's a nice story, but it don't mean nothing. It doesn't change anything. Because the gospel is the resurrection. And the light that shines. Stand with me. Worship team, would, would you mind coming up? They were hoping for a Sunday off, but I just popped their balloon. I want you to play the last song, guys. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. The Lord my God. Oh, praise his name forever. Friend, I'm not sure what you're walking around with. I know what I've prayed. I know that this is something that is either going to roll off you like water on a duck's back. Because I know what darkness can do. It hardens. And, and you think that what you have is light. You see light. Well, you know what? If I have to tell myself what I'm seeing is light, then it's not light. I need him as his word says, to declare the light to my heart. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to convince of unbelief. I believe we are entering into an, a day and an age Where if we don't know our God, we will literally compromise, justify just about anything out there. That is not his church. That is not think I'm standing here sharing a message with you like this so that I can I believe God is doing something in his church to prepare it for a day that we will go out to open eyes resurrection power. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will quit 
get ready with what the world sees as lustful, inferior. God's raising up his church, not our idea of church. There's much, much more. Now, if you're here in this place and you don't know his relationship with him, you don't know him in your heart and life, I can guarantee you that what I have been sharing has been moving on you. <laughs> and you're making a choice right where you stand. It's either yes or it's no. I don't have to be fancy. The Bible simply says that if you believe upon him, that if you confess your separatedness. Well, it talks about your, your, your sin and your iniquity. It's two different things, right? But there's so much is there. What, what does that mean? I've got to tell God everything I did wrong? No! You're telling him about the symptoms and the results of what is wrong. And that's the condition you're in. And that's what he took care of on the cross. He paid for sin. That you would be declared not guilty. The gospel is, he's alive. He's alive. So if that same spirit, mm -hmm, just, friend, it's not hard. See, when you're in darkness and that little light starts to come in, you just fight it because you think it's darkness. It's not. It's light. And darkness can't comprehend it. You can't tell me what that is because you don't understand it. Of course you don't understand it. You're in darkness. We know that. Not an issue. He's alive. He's risen from the dead. Lord Jesus, thank you for this message. I say that from a standpoint of what you're saying to us. Not, 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 not something that I've etched on paper, not something that, that's being spoken, but literally the Spirit of God that's speaking within us. That word, that word that we have hid in our heart that we might not sin against you. Walk in our own strength, our own ability. No, you're risen from the dead. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that our eyes of understanding be open. And we really see what we've never seen before. Lord, can I, can I just say it from a standpoint that we may see as we have never seen before. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Holy Spirit, may this truly be Resurrection Sunday where it all makes sense. I praise the name. So Lord, I pray if there be one here this morning that in their heart they're being checked by your Spirit and they open up to you and believe upon you. May they realize 
Deborah would say, Jesus is being born from above. It's, 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 man, there's so much that's there. But right now, the simplicity of your life overwhelms me. And I pray that they love on you. As, as they realize that love has been loved on them, they release that love to love on you. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sing this with us.